Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook. I'm the team rector of the Northmoor team in the middle of Devon. And this is a talk given for Harvest Festival 2021. And it's based on the story Jesus told about the tenants in the vineyard. Many of the best novels and films have some kind of plot twist at some stage. The person you thought was the hero turns out to be the villain. Or is he? What seemed like a legitimate business turns out to be a cover for a drug cartel, and the whole thing is part of a giant conspiracy run by the CIA. You can see what sort of films I watch. The best ever twist is in The Crying Game. I wonder if you've seen that film. If you haven't, it's brilliant. And I'm guessing even if you know there's a famous twist, you won't spot it coming. I saw it in the cinema and there was a gasp that went round when the whole storyline was suddenly turned on its head. The Usual Suspects is another, although that one's a little bit more predictable. The plot twist device leaves you feeling a bit disorientated and even a little foolish that you hadn't seen it coming. And of course, rather smug if you did see it coming. I'm talking about this because I think there's a twist in the story Jesus told about the tenants in the vineyard. They had come to treat the place as their own. They hadn't built it. They hadn't invested their hard-earned cash in it. They were the tenants, not the landlord. In those days, it was quite possible that an absentee landlord might never return. There was no system of land registration and possession was nine-tenths of the law. So if indeed they beat up the servants and killed the heir, they might well be able to claim the place for themselves. It has echoes back through the Bible. The vineyard is sometimes used as a symbol for the nation. King Ahab had done something vaguely similar to this when he had taken a fancy to a vineyard belonging to Naboth, and at Jezebel's prompting he'd arranged to have Naboth killed so that he could take his ancestral land. Maybe the religious leaders standing at the back of the crowd with their arms folded listening were thinking about that. What do you think the landlord will do to those tenants? Jesus asked the crowd. He'll put those wretches to a miserable end and give the vineyard to others, they reply. After all, his son had been killed. They could expect no mercy. Have you not read, said Jesus, the stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? There's the twist. The crowd wouldn't have read it mainly because most of them couldn't read. But their religious leaders could. Suddenly it dawned on them that this story was not about the crowd or the people of centuries ago or the Gentiles. This was about them. They were the tenants on whom judgment was coming. They began to seek a way to arrest him, but they realised they'd have to do it when he was away from the crowds. The crowds loved Jesus. And maybe for the first time in their lives... They were afraid. But I think this is not just a twist, it's a corkscrew. I mean, who is the story about? Is it about a bunch of Pharisees who are long dead? If it is, why are we bothering to talk about it? Because it has nothing to say to us now. Is it about people out there who, unlike us, don't listen to religious podcasts? Because if it is, we might as well not bother because they're not listening. And what is the vineyard? Is it the nation of Israel? 
If it is, this is going to turn out to be a very esoteric sermon because I'd have to try to trace the link between the Old Testament concept of the nation and the present state of Israel in the Middle East, which would be a challenge beyond me. I think this story is about us. We are the tenants and this extraordinary, amazing, beautiful, wonderful world which we celebrate is the vineyard. God's vineyard, because God is the landlord and we are the tenants. We don't own it. God does. It's not ours to do what we like with. We are responsible for it. Nature is not our enemy or our plaything. It's our responsibility. God has provided everything for our need and nothing for our greed. And the sooner we grow up and take that responsibility, the greater the chance we have of passing it on in some semblance of the kind of place we inherited. We're increasingly aware of a growing mental health crisis amongst our young people. There was a report out about it this week. This is not because they're snowflakes, that ridiculous accusation that a generation that's grown up with unprecedented privilege likes to throw at people who face a much tougher future. It's partly because they're constantly being told that their future is grim. They should not need a 16-year-old schoolgirl to give a dressing down to world leaders for behaving like children. We should be doing that, adult to adult. We should face up to our responsibility as adults for the world which will one day belong to those who come after us. We should be the ones saying to the younger generation, it's going to be all right, because whatever it takes, we are going to fix it. This story is about us. Not about our children, not about the Chinese or the Russians or the Americans, nor is it about Boris Johnson or Keir Starmer, because elected politicians ask themselves first and foremost, what do people want? And if we tell them that what we want is to bury our heads in the sand and pretend that we can carry on as normal, that is what they will give us. Because if they don't, we'll just elect someone else who will. So we have to change. What we want has to change. And most of all, we have to recognise that the world is not our possession, not our plaything. It is our responsibility. But I want to end on a different note. At harvest time, we surround ourselves with the evidence of the good things the earth produces. Flowers, fruit, vegetables. And we give thanks for the hard work and ingenuity of farmers and lorry drivers and sailors and engineers and administrators and crane drivers and shopkeepers and all the others that bring it to us and enrich our lives. The fact that the earth is the Lord's and we are the tenants in the vineyard is a promise as well as a warning. The landlord was only looking for what was due. The tenants paid up. They could have gone on living there. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, said Jesus, but so that the world might have life through him. There's a lot of condemnatory language around about the whole climate change issue. Whenever the matter's raised, it always seems to be somebody else's fault. And it's only when we all take responsibility for our own bit of the vineyard that we're going to get anywhere. As Christians, we are to be signs of hope. We believe that the earth is the Lord's. We believe that all things are possible 
if we trust and pray and act. And out there in the real world, there are amazing people beavering away to produce real answers. God has given us the tools to overcome the challenges we face and to make the world a better place. And if we can learn to live in cooperation with nature and not in opposition to it, not only will we relieve the climate change crisis, but we will also be happier. We're not just the problem, we're also the solution. This extraordinary planet has been put in our care. We've been given the tools to enable it to flourish. And our part is to stand tall and accept the responsibility that's been laid on us. The stone that the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, said Jesus. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The last little twist in the tale is that out of the wreckage something new and marvellous can come. Things we had overlooked and thought worthless can suddenly become a vital part of a new future. Because of God's love and mercy, what the world needs is not new tenants, but the old ones restored. If we start valuing things we've counted as worthless, if we start celebrating the world rather than abusing it, if we give to the landlord what rightly belongs to the landlord, and only take what the earth can afford, then great things are possible. And that is the last twist in the story. And that is basically what harvest festivals are about. May God bless this word to us. Amen.